If you're like me and looking to cut back on alcohol this year, Recess Zero Proof Craft Mocktails are the perfect alcohol replacement. They've recreated the cocktails you know and love, like their Ginger Lime Mule and Grapefruit Paloma, which happen to be my favorites. You can enjoy the flavors and feelings of those cocktails without the booze. Zero proof, zero compromise. Listeners can get 15% of the Recess Mocktail Sampler at takearecess.com slash autocallMAFS. You guys know I don't drink very much. So Recess is a great substitute while everybody else imbibes. It's a lightly sparkling mocktail infused with functional ingredients like uplifting guayusa and stress-balancing adaptogens. Whether you're relaxing after work or hanging out with friends, make Recess Mocktails your drink between drinks or your forever mocktail. Get 15% off Recess Mocktails now at takearecess.com slash altercallMAFS so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Ladies, you know that vicious week before your period where you feel like you want to crawl out of your skin, you feel a little bit down or off, and those cravings when you feel like you can eat anything in sight? Well, there's a solution for that. Now it's easier to manage your PMS with estrogen control. You have to try Hormone Harmony. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality. And it shows. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ALTERCALLMAFS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code A-L-T-A-R-C-A-L-L-M-A-F-S for 15% off today. Hi, I'm Tane. And I'm Aid, and this is Alter Call, a Married at First Sight podcast. Welcome, welcome. Hi, everybody out there. Hi, Aid. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Tane? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, fall. We're in the thick of fall over here. so We have some fall-like weather, too. We had wind today. We've, we're... <laughs> We had 70 degrees. It was cold. I'm sure some people are like, what does she mean we? Remind the people where you are. I'm in Houston. <laughs> where the seasons are optional, you know? <laughs> so, I'm always happy when you guys get that kind of weather. I like, all the time. I like sweaters. I'm like, please give me some sweater weather. <laughs> so what else is going on? Not else, nothing much, nothing else. I can't believe the year is almost over. I feel robbed of two years. <laughs> I feel the same, but I am making grand plans for next year. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> if any of them come to fruition, that will be great. But I am going outside next year. I am getting new stamps on my passport next year. I have goals. <laughs> <laughs> the force be with you. Thank you. I hope the same for you too. So, on to Married at First Sight. Just a reminder for everybody, we have a Patreon. We do Unfiltered and Couples Cam over there on the regular. Uh, and it is patreon.com slash altercallMAFS. Yeah, and sometimes we talk about, you know, old couples, we revisit the past. And our most recent episode, we talk about people we thought were, you know, the best wives or our favorite wives of maths across the seasons except the current one so check us out 
So because we're like getting towards the end of the season, I wanted to check on ratings. It is not my favorite thing, gathering data. I'm not a numbers person. Um, (laughs) But I wanted to see how we were doing this year. And ratings are down a smidge. Not a lot, just a little bit. Um, I'll be very curious to see what the Decision Day ratings are because every year Decision Day is the most highly rated episode of the season. But considering the way TV is going, like I look at the ratings for other shows regularly and I feel like a network would be happy to have a show that retains its audience as well as Married at First Sight does. Mm. There's not these like sudden dips and like peaks and highs that I see with like honestly Real Housewives. Uh, it's just a very consistent audience that is I think even though it's down from last year I still think it or last season actually I still think it could be defined as growing okay so it's interesting so you said there's a slight dip right right okay so it's interesting what I think would be interesting is comparing it to the season before last season because I kind of feel like last season was not an anomaly but because of the whole Chris saga we got a lot of new viewers and people who are just trying to find out who is this Chris and Paige that everyone is talking about so there was a spike last year so it'll be interesting to compare it to the year before and see if it's holding steady if it's better if it's lower than the year before I would suspect based because I would look I was looking at ratings last year like last year um, it is probably about the same as it was for the season that aired last year at the same time. So we're in season 13. So this would be season 11. I think the numbers are comparable. Yeah. But I also think that we should expect to see more Chris and Page type situations in the future. Because as much as people say they don't want to watch bad things, they've never had ratings like they had with them. Yeah. It's really um, hitting its stride. I mean, I'm sure they're giddy. After all the years from FYI and no one watching Married at Who? (laughs) Good for them. (laughs) Good for them. All right. So what did you think of this week's episode? No, you got to ask me social. Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. So talking of old seasons, what's going on on the socials? So this week, funny enough, I texted A during the week. I'm like, um, there's not really anything interesting or happening. But a few hours ago, a friend texted me because good old Reddit never fails. The one social network I don't frequent. But my friend texted me this um, sub where, let me make sure I don't confuse anyone. Someone who is married to an ex of Bows. Was that clear? <laughs> that was clear. <laughs> When That's I read her description of herself, I had to read it twice. I was like, so let me get this straight. You're not the ex. You're the one who married the ex. Got it. <laughs> it took me a while to So I hope everyone got it. So she made it very clear multiple times that she and her husband, Bao's ex, do not watch the show. They have not watched full episodes. They know a lot. And then she references episodes they've watched. But apparently, they do not watch the episodes, everyone. But she's curious, you know, to find out, you know, about it. Because, I mean, she's doing the smart thing. She's trying to stay away, um, you know, so nothing is... I don't know what could be triggering. But he did say that the friend kind of backs up what Sarah was saying. And that, you know, 
she's heard him say she's she's cold and controlling um but she's not sure like she would go as far as saying like oh she broke him down and <laughs> emotional abuse is like <laughs> is pretty extreme from where she is but her husband did confirm that he felt isolated and felt that he wasn't invited or wanted at social events and that he also felt pressure to make a bigger salary since her line of work is noble and felt like you know his career should just be about making money um she does say that he is pretty easygoing but she's not thrilled with some things bao has done girl code if you want to call it that like she feels like bao has crossed the lines of what she and her husband view as appropriate or respectful to them as a couple and she definitely can confirm that in some few run-ins that she thinks that she that bao was cold and controlling so but she also wanted to say that she's not here to back up johnny nobody wants to be on johnny's side (laughs) (laughs) but the one little thing that was interesting was that her husband told her that bao said that she could make herself cry whenever she wanted to by thinking of a pet that died when she was little i don't Uh, like these people yeah I guess I'm just like, is can Bowdo find someone who's on her side? But then but, it begs the question: if everyone is not on your side, well, <laughs> well. But I mean, your your um your ex almost fiance's wife, who hasn't watched the show, and at no point says that she knows you very well. Yeah, her opinions are. I'm not saying that anything she's saying is wrong. I'm just saying the source. I actually think the opposite. I like the tone of this because it didn't seem like there was anything she was got to get out there. She didn't paint herself as this, oh, I'm better. She's terrible. She's whatever. She sounded neutral. In fact, she said, I'm a pretty strong personality and it wouldn't surprise me if she and Bao had traits in common. She actually said that. So she's not, you know trying to lean towards any way. It just seemed like she said it matter of fact, like, this is my experience. Take of it what you will, you know? Unlike some where it seems like it's heavily lifted this way, they're trying to sway you that way, and I don't know. We'll we'll get into it, I think, when we get to their part. But I have thoughts on uh, the whole situation. Okay. I guess my one last thing is I think that reading this, well, my friend and I discussed this. So it's part my thought, part her thought. Let me give her credit because she listens is we both agree that we think that this is what Johnny means when he says expectations and her not being herself. Johnny has probably heard stuff about her and this is not, that's not the ball that he's seen because the boss credit, this is, she's not cold or controlling or whatever. And then he feels like now she's faking, she's faking who she is as a personality. So that's another angle that I looked at it from. Huh. Yeah, but like you said, <laughs> we'll get into it when we get to their section. But um, are you ready to get into the episode? I'm ready. Okay. I thought this episode was kind of boring. You know I hate these letters. 
with everything in me. I hate this. Letter. Write a letter to your younger self. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is if if the show was a book, this is where they need an editor because it's just like cut out all these pages. We don't need to just go to the end. Like, why are but, you dragging? But there were some like good moments this week. I was entertained. I didn't I actually I didn't think the episode dragged. I, I feel like they know that it was kind of dragging, so they made sure to put in three major like ah moments to keep us folded. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Okay, so Bao and Johnny returned home. Um, Last week was a retreat. Everyone's getting home. And Bao said she felt good about the trip, but in terms of Johnny, they did not interact much. She asked Johnny how he felt about the weekend. He says it was good and a lot of fun. Then there was this awkward silence. And then he's like, yeah, I'm going to go shower. Oh, so weird. Bao tells us that she knows that they're level one, but she's not happy about level one. She has had level three conversations with strangers on an airplane that were more exciting. <laughs> that is an introvert thing, by the way. <laughs> what is an introvert thing? As an introvert. <laughs> Why do you say that? I, I'm just, because I want to speak from my own personal experience that I do attribute to being an introvert because I read the book that told me that I should. Um, okay. When I meet people, not all the time, but it is not unusual. I remember I went to a party once and someone started telling me about their estrangement from their mother. And I was complaining to my friend about how this happened to me all the time. And she's a therapist. And then she observed me at a party and she's like, it's your own fault. And it's because I don't really like, I'm not good at small talk. So I could meet a stranger and they'll just start telling me things. And I don't like level one conversations. I'm like, wow, I really would prefer you tell me about like your childhood trauma or some shit than <laughs> than wow. like the weather. <laughs> Interesting. So it was a weird transition because then we just see Zach and Zach is in his natural state. By natural state, I mean, we always see Zach with his head in his hands, sitting on some couch, <laughs> scrolling through his phone every goddamn time. He tells us that he has not spoken to Michaela and he has requested an expert and Dr. Pepper will be speaking to them. This was before I found out that Dr. Pepper was speaking to everyone. I thought that Dr. Pepper specifically flew down to speak to just them. And I was wondering, wow, when Dr. Viviana is right there in Houston, why would she not come speak to them? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, we see Michaela in her car. And she tells us that Zach has not spoken to her since the retreat. And she has reached out to him saying basically that she loves him and she wants them to work it out and radio silence. And she's offended by the radio silence because it's as if he did not abandon her. Excuse me? <laughs> Excuse me? I didn't even know what was coming. <laughs> but... <laughs> he abandoned okay. me. All right. Oh, I I don't even know what to like. I don't know how how Michaela's mind could work that her mouth could could form those sentences. Wow. Okay. (laughs) She's very much like I'm the victim here, and the rest of us looking from the outside are like, Zach abandoned you. That's that's what you think happened. That's rich. That's rich. So, so yeah, Dr. Pepper walks in, and Zach tells her. 
that she has texted, um, she being Michaela, has texted him nonstop and he tells her what happened at the retreat and then mentioned how they talked about getting a divorce but still possibly dating. I'm mentioning this because I want everyone to be aware of him saying but still possibly dating and not getting a divorce and then dating definitively. So it just proves, I think, Aid, you mentioned last week that you were like, it's just bullshit. Nobody's planning on getting a divorce and dating. Zach was going to run for the hills. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I still so don't that- understand this timeline. Getting divorced, dating, dating after we stay married, dating after we... I, I'm very confused, but... <laughs> and I think they are so, so Zach says in that exact moment and the moment he's talking about is I can't gate um, he realized that he cannot do this with Michaela anymore and Dr. Pepper actually says she feels bad for him that it's been really bad <laughs> but she wants to see where there are some learnings possible and question him on some stuff I know we joke that Dr. Pepper has become hardened, but honestly, I think it's a little too hardened. Because scream to me, like, you don't have these people's best interests at heart. You have a TV show at heart. And that's why you're pushing this poor man to do some learnings. What, What the hell are learnings? Honestly, what I'm getting is that she doesn't care. The TV show, them, just can I get, can I go? Can I get paid? Because, and also on the flip side, anytime there's a quarrel or there's something, you always know what side Dr. Pepper is on, which I don't know that you're supposed to know. I don't know, but (laughs) (laughs) she she just seems like she doesn't care. (laughs) So Zach says he understands that he's not perfect and he that he knows that so much that he called his ex-girlfriends to ask them how he is and how he is during conflict and they all said the same thing he doesn't like conflict he tries to avoid it and he hates when there's scene when scenes are caused like big explosive explosive moments i'm like all your ex-girlfriends there's have had scenes Zach? all your ex-girlfriends were willing to answer your call so that you could investigate your prior self Zach, hmm, fishy. Again, let me say it for this week. In this fight, I am Team Zach, but overall, something ain't right with Zach. I don't know what it is, but something is off. (laughs) So Saint Zach decides that, so therefore, because his ex-girlfriend said this, his actions should not be causing these big big (laughs) reactions from Michaela. And then he sits back into the couch in all all of his self-righteous glory. Zach was just so annoying. <laughs> I can't. And this will happen again in the episode with Val and Johnny. What kind of pressure are these people under? Like, if you don't want to be with someone, that's a choice that you get to make. You you get to decide. And I don't understand why there's all this, like, looking for evidence or talking to exes or looking for justifications. Know within yourself. Like, I don't want to deal with this for the rest of your life. You don't... You, that's all you need. It's that added part, I think, of the TV show and, and worrying about how you come off. But honestly, for someone like Zach, without the TV show, I think he would do the same. Being obsessed with being the good guy. You know? So you it's, need backup. I guess. 
It does. I think it's so funny that like you go through these measures to make yourself look better, and the whole time us watching are like, you don't look any better or worse, really. You just look like a person who can't make your own life choices without evidence. Yeah, you can't fight the core of who you are, really. <laughs> so. Dr. Pepper says, okay, let me try and help you. And what you'd like to do is to have them hear each other with rules that they both agree on and listen to each other's feelings and stop if the rules are broken. Zach is already smiling sarcastically like, uh, nope. <laughs> but I mean, I'm with Zach. This doesn't make any sense. Michaela has clearly exhibited recall issues. And when things are heated, she blacks out. So what rules? Who's going to remember that while you're fighting? Like, even on a normal day, I'm fighting with someone. Oh, wait, rules. Sorry, stop. No, it's not. That's why I said Dr. Pepper doesn't care. Like, I don't even think she believes some of the things she says. So I don't know. So Zach says, yeah, I'm not there yet. And she says, well, what we haven't tried is having me in the middle and I'll, you know, translate and then, you know, try to explain what the other means. And he agrees. And then we just see Michaela just walking out, creeping out like the Pink Panther. And I'm like, uh, what if he said no? Was she just hiding in the corner? I was very, very disappointed in Zach because I was very happy for him. I was proud of him for standing his ground. And then like a wet piece of paper, he just folded and was like, sure, I'll revisit crazy again. Well, on the flip, do you think he kept saying no, but they were like, she's already here. Just say yes. <laughs> this, this is why, like, there's something wrong with this show. If this man says he doesn't want to talk to Michaela anymore, it is wrong to pressure him into it. Yeah. They're, they're, their boundaries are very loose on this show. Not respected at all. But on that flip side, I, I, what do they do to these people that they lose all sense of, like, it's like you don't know your own mind. Zach knows he doesn't want to talk to Michaela anymore. Yeah. But they browbeat him to be like, okay, I guess. It's like you you didn't want to talk to her anymore. It should have ended there. Let me tell you. Wait, let me tell you something. When you get to know about these people, if I was the producer assigned to Zach, if he says no, I will get him to fold. What do I have to say? Think about how he looks. Like at this point, do you want it to seem like you didn't like even give that final conversation? You look like an asshole. That's all it takes. Really? You got to find their weaknesses and just hit them with it. <laughs> Unless it's Chris, then you're fucked. So. <laughs> okay. Well, Zach agrees and then Michaela walks in. So Dr. Pepper asks what happened. And Michaela, in all of her pageant glory, sits down all sheepish and victimized and said, <laughs> Zach left me. Uh, at this point, I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> and I told him, please don't leave. Please. <laughs> and he still left. I'm like, oh, shit. We're, what? <laughs> I, just, I, think, I think I tweeted out last night. I was like, I think I'm questioning what I watched last night, like, last week. Like, wait, what? <laughs> Um, she continues that abandonment is one of her biggest triggers. And with him knowing that, and it was a fear, she was in a fear state of him leaving and he left in a big explosive way. It was hard on him. And even with that, she decided something got us here. I never want to do that again. I reached out to him and I told him, Zach, I love you. And I understand we have challenges, but I don't want to lose you. 
all that was playing in my head at this moment is like, this is the final nail in the car. I was like, run, Zach, run. Just run. Because <laughs> this is deep. There is something wrong with that woman. <laughs> and I really feel bad calling her that woman. But that is like a type of uh, in- insanity that I don't like. You, you're right, Zach. Run for your life. <laughs> Good on Zach, though, because Zach did not say anything. But honestly, what do you even say? You can't defend yourself against crazy. And I'm sorry. I will take the heat. I just, you cannot. There is nothing he could have said that made any sense. I will but join oh, you wait. in the fire because I <laughs> I feel like, you know, I, we've read some books. Maybe we should have better vocabulary for describing this behavior. But all I see when I look at Michaela is crazy. And I also think, how could you let those words out of your mouth knowing that there's a camera that was recording you? Like, that's th- what makes it even wilder because that means that she truly, really believes that this is her truth. So that's what's scarier because I do believe she blacks out. But she's played a scenario in her head and convinced herself, like, this is it. So probably until she watches the tape, she probably doesn't know that that's what happened. But she's not done. She continues that this is so heartbreaking because she has tried and tried and tried. Dr. Pepper translates and asks for his response. And, you know, the producers play the tape back because I'm like, roll the goddamn tape at this point. I don't know why they didn't bring out an iPad and play it out for Michaela because it wasn't fair to Zach. Zach just simply says, I cannot say anything right now. And Dr. Dr. Pepper translates that. <laughs> like <laughs> She says, what Zach is trying to say is he's found the past week traumatic. And part of it is the explosiveness of your reaction. The getting up, the yelling, the language, the high drama. And Michaela is still in that scary, creepy, quiet voice. You know, think Get Out. And she has clearly forgotten that she's also on a TV show, says that Zach tries to paint her as a crazy, inconsistent person, but he has no evidence of horror exploding (laughs) on him. This is high drama. This is an Emmy right here because what? I I don't really have words. Wow. I I know I keep saying wow, but honestly, wow. This was really scary for me. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. It's scary to think that there... What if you meet one of these people on the street one day who is so separate from reality? Mm -hmm. And one might argue that, you know, when she had the exorcism um, last week, he wasn't there, so he has no evidence. One might argue when the Lysol cans were assaulted, he wasn't there. He has no evidence. But I can't, I can't, I can't was in front of him. The other fight where they had where she walked out on him was in front of him. And they had one more fight that wasn't on camera, I believe, that he told us about was in front of him. So I just I think he has evidence. I, I do not doubt that when there are no cameras there, he also has evidence. <laughs> yeah. So Dr. Pepper is still trying to be bilingual and translate, but uh, Zach says, you know what? I've reached my limit. 
hopefully one day we can have a conversation, but today is not the day. And he gets up and he walks out and good on him because mm, that was something. He's Once again, like, I was proud of Zach. I was like, <laughs> yes. And, and I was actually proud of him for not even trying to argue. Mm-hmm. Just leave. Like, mm-hmm. that's what you... And I know in his mind he was thinking, I said I didn't want to do this. I am regretting that I was allowing myself to be turned around. Let me just get to stepping. (laughs) (laughs) He was very nice about it. He's like, I tried my best. I have to leave. Thank you. (laughs) So he leaves and it's just Dr. Pepper and Michaela. Michaela tells us that this is a prime example of how he abandons her. Drinking game, abandon. Yeah. And even when she's not being threatening, you should not be threatening at any point. <laughs> so, see, that's a giveaway. If you say he does that when I'm not being threatening, are you trying to say that there are times that you are threatening? Oh my God, Maps is a gift that keeps on giving. Um, <laughs> Michaela tells Dr. Pepper that he says that she reacts a certain way, and Dr. Pepper cuts her off and says, do you think you don't? <laughs> Michaela says, I think I can. I don't know what that answer is. But Dr. Pepper says there has been some ugly scenes, and if she could rerun them and do them differently, what would they be? She says, because this girl has to have a PR person somewhere, the scene that she regrets was having a panic attack, watching him drive off even though she couldn't help that. We get a flashback. Did not look like a panic attack. Did not look like she watched him drive off. But, you know, Michaela's story, those things happened. And then she rolls out the tears. Oh, I'm sorry. She rolled out a single tear. (laughs) A single tear. (laughs) A single tear. And says she felt so scared, abandoned, terrified, traumatized, and mad. And she has not had that kind of feeling since her dad died and in her head, him leaving equal death to her. Dr. Pepper is not phased because, again, she does not care and said the reality (laughs) is that Zach cannot cope with the mismatch, (laughs) but she wants her to work on her explosions. She also says something that I found important. She knows that Michaela was traumatized by her dad's death and triggered by a lot of the events. But she has to work on not projecting that loss on other issues in a given relationship. Now, I'm pointing this out, and I know some people might be mad at me. And I texted A this because that was my thought, but Dr. Pepper said it much nicely. I feel that Michaela is weaponizing her dad's death. I agree with you. If anyone wants to come from the point of, oh, you don't know what it feels of grief. I have lost a parent. I know what it feels like, but I don't think you need to go through that to just see how she's weaponizing it because it has nothing to do with whatever happened with her and Zach. And this is not, this is the part that really gets me. This is the second time or the third time Where she flips out and she blames her dad dying for the way she acts. Yeah. Is Zach supposed to sit in her presence all the time? And if not Zach, whatever other husband she finds to make sure that she never feels abandoned. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really going to go out on a limb here. I know, not from personal experience, 
that, you know, the death of a parent can really change you. But I do not believe that these behaviors started with her dad dying. Absolutely. I think she was doing it before that. Mm-hmm. And maybe this, like, you know, maybe it's more now. But now that's her fallback. I flip out. It's because my dad died. Yeah. And maybe <laughs> sometimes it is, but it can't be all the time. I mean, it's a common thing, especially in reality shows. Um, You see a lot of people and they say, like, it's grief. I, I get it. Grief is very confusing. Grief comes in different forms. Everyone grieves differently. But I don't know that it excuses bad behavior towards people. Because if that's the case, a lot of people in this world have lost a parent. So then everyone gets a license to just act crazy. This world is going to be worse than it already is. So I don't think it's fair. And it just almost feels like Zach is always going to compete compete against her dad. So I don't know. That was good advice from Dr. Pepper. Like, I think figuring out that you can't always project that loss on other issues in a given relationship. I really thought that was smart because that was not the, those are not the words I had in my head. So, so this week, like Aid mentioned, is the week where they are tasked to return to their roots and share their childhood experiences with their spouses. They have also asked them to write a letter to their younger self at a significant point in their lives with the goal of being vulnerable. What the, the mass producers did was only the unhappy couples get to write a letter to their younger selves. <laughs> <laughs> Zach and Michaela just didn't make it to that point, but uh, only the unhappy people did that. So Johnny took Bao to a house that he lived up until a few years ago. And, oh, my God, Aid, I was hoping that they would pan out because it really, really looked like the neighborhood I lived in. It has the same layout, the same, like, where the garage were, uh, were placed. And then the, the path to the door is the same exact layout as my aunt's house where I grew up. So um, <clears throat> I was wondering. It had also the shutters that were the same color. It's the same as her neighbors. So I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> is Johnny always been in my vicinity? <laughs> I would, it could be, but the more I'm in Houston, the more I'm like, everywhere looks the same. Like, those houses look like houses that are in a neighborhood, like, out near where I grew up, but I know that it's not over here. It's just, yeah, Houston housing has a very um, cookie cutter, like, in the 80s, they built one house. In the 70s, they built another house. In the 90s, they built another house. Yeah, they were definitely in the Southwest, though. So, um... His, um, she shows him, sorry, he brought some of his childhood pictures and he's showing it to Bao and his dad's face is blurred out in the pictures. And she asks about his dad and he says there weren't, um, that he does have memories of him, but they weren't happy memories. And he's, he tells us that, yeah, he has daddy issues. So he tells us the whole story, which we already know from before the marriage and how his parents marriage. And he basically says that his dad inadvertently shaped him without being in his life. He reads out the letter that he wrote to himself. And the final thing he says in the letter is he tells himself to forgive his father. This whole time, they're just standing in the driveway. I'm like, I hope it still belongs to his family because uh, they're kind of trespassing on someone's property. So, And they were at the edge of the driveway. So, Did you notice all these so, people were freezing cold? Yeah. <laughs> I did. I'm like, Johnny, why are you in short sleeves? It looks really cold. It did. I noticed more with Merla because you know Merla. Her face doesn't have anything. She's like, "Are we done yet?" 
So Bao asked Johnny how his mom decided that she had had enough. And I chuckled. I was like, Bao's looking for an escape plan. <laughs> how did your how did your mom leave? So Johnny says, actually, he doesn't know, but if it were up to his dad, they'd still be married. Um, Johnny says that there's a lot of shame that comes with being divorced in an Asian household, but he's so proud of his mom for taking that step. But thinking about how his dad has to eat dinner alone every night, that that sounds so lonely and it's not the life that he wants. And Bao thanks him for sharing that story. Because I, I truly believe, despite whatever happens, Bao's done. So I thought that she was looking at him like a science experiment or like an outside observer, not like an intimate partner. Oh, yeah. I think so. I think Bao is back to Bao, the Bao that we kind of met before they actually got married, where she's just trying to put pieces together. And now I have no feelings and I'm just going to treat you like an inanimate object and just study you. Yeah. And we'll be right back. And we're back. We're back with Gil and Merla in a car. So they're driving and he points at some apartments and he says, yeah, your car would get broken into every other day in that complex. Um, Clearly he's expressing to her like it's kind of a rough area. Um, Excuse me. Did you notice this car? I did not notice his car. Oh, my God. It was clean AF. It was a BMW SUV. I don't know the exact name, but I'm like, Gil, is that you? What if it was Marilyn's car? Huh? That That's what I thought. I was like, is it his? <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to. That's true, though. Oh, man. Come on, Aid. You blew my bubble. <laughs> of the two of them, I would expect her to have a BMW SUV, and I would expect him to have a Ford truck. Um... <laughs> Someone tweeted it. I think he'll have like a Honda Accord. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I at least gave this man a truck. That's <laughs> okay. So Gil says it's been 22 years since he's been here and it feels weird. And he tells us that it opens a door to who we are to share childhood memories. On one hand, I believe that to be true. On the other hand, I'm not sure. <laughs> So he and Mirla are out there freezing in the cold, and he said he starts telling her about what his childhood was like. He said he got into fights. Honestly, my favorite thing was him describing the basketball shopping cart. You would hang the shopping cart on top of a gate and then play basketball with that. <laughs> Innovative is what the word is. <laughs> uh, necessity is the mother of invention. So he says he hung out with rough crowds, which honestly to me, I was like, really, Gil? Um, <laughs> I don't know why I imagine a person who hangs out with rough crowds to grow up to be, but Gil is just not it. But that's what he says. Um, he points out to the apartment that he lived at and he tells Mirla that's the apartment where his dad was shot. And he tells the whole story. I think he told it once before on the honeymoon. And um. I think before the the night of their wedding, yeah. yeah. When he asked her, "What's your story?" she goes, "No, I don't want to say anything." <laughs> so he repeats the story, and it's still just as sad. Like, I just—it's very difficult for me to just imagine a child. That's so traumatic. It's so traumatic. It makes me so sad. And he talks about being in the back of the ambulance, and they're just going very quickly down the street. And then hearing from the doctor that his dad passed away. 
And he said that it didn't hit him for two weeks. I think it was so sad that he had to tell the story again. But the whole time, I was wondering whether there wasn't an adult. Why was he, like, the point of contact for everything? Because if I recall, he was just 14. And why are they telling him that his dad is dead? Like, wasn't there an adult? Apparently not. Like, he went in the ambulance with his dad. So I think he was the only person at the hospital. Like, maybe some, like, in Unfiltered, which we'll discuss on our Patreon, um, he merely kind of tells more about his childhood. Okay. But I think that particular, like, his mom did live close by-ish. So I just assume, like, within 20 minutes, there wasn't enough time for, like, any family or siblings or whoever to get to the hospital. So the doctor just told him. Oh, that's tough. Okay. So he mentions that, like, he didn't know how to react. I'm like, of course, you're so young. And it didn't hit him for two weeks that his dad was really gone. Marilyn didn't have too much of a reaction. Ah, uh, she did not. She did not. But, 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 in her defense, the only thing I could think of, because I did notice that, I was like, Marilyn didn't react warmly. But honestly, I think it's because it's not the first time she's heard this story. And they made them, they had to do this again. And Marilyn doesn't know how to fake it. So that's what I thought happened. Because this is our second time hearing it. I can't imagine how many times they've talked about it. And then, I did think, though, there's a difference between hearing something and, like, standing across the street from where it happened. Yeah, true. Anyway, so Mirla tells the camera, like, we both lost our fathers, and she appreciates him sharing that specific experience. And then they're back out there, and he says, you know, he's he hasn't really told people, and he's never brought anybody here. She's the fir- very first person. Still no reaction. <laughs> <laughs> No, like, I'm honored, or it's just like, I'm cold. What is this over? <laughs> yeah. Um, she actually had more to say about it on a filter, so that's weird. Um, <laughs> he, he does his interview. He says one of the reasons he married at first sight was to have tough conversations. And then he says he wonders what his life would have been like if his dad was still around when they're, like, walking away. Yeah. So that was like, I feel like that was a sad segment, but like, I don't feel like I learned anything about Gil or Mirla that was new. It's just a new location. I guess it's just like you said, it's different when you're in the place, like where it actually happened. Like, this is real. That's about the only thing, like you said, so. So next we go on to Rachel and Jose. So we're standing outside of one of his childhood homes. His parents are divorced, so I assume he had a couple And he talks about how his parents had a vision of building a house. And he talks about teamwork. Why does Jose sound like a motivational speaker? He sounds like that all the time. I could not. (laughs) (laughs) How can you relate your life experiences to me through like, what's that guy's name? Tony Robbins type. I can't. (laughs) And he talks about how his parents were like, we're going to move to Pearland because our parents want us to succeed. And his sister has a degree. And they sacrificed to build this house. And Rachel is like, it's a reflection of their taste because they built it from the ground up. I feel like sometimes that's like when you watch too much HGTV. In the sense that I feel like if you're striving to build a house, this this might be too much detail. If you're striving to build a house, I don't think it's 
the way people thought about things 30 years ago, it wasn't about taste. It was like, can we afford this? Can we afford the materials? Let's get this house up in this neighborhood that we've like sacrificed to live in. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Especially if you're looking at it from a functionality part, it's not about, oh, I want this to be pretty. And I, I just want a house for me and my family to live in and get it Co- done. Thank you. And I feel like that's probably more like his parents were out than like, oh, what kind of break are we going to get? Yeah. So Rachel says, although both their parents are separated and divorced, they both experience good, wholesome family times. And she appreciates him bringing her here and they go inside. They take a trip down memory lane of Jose in high school. That was fun. Um, (laughs) (laughs) For those of a certain age, I'm sure you remember Glamour Shots. Where you went to Glamour Shots in the mall. (laughs) Sure did. There's a whole bunch of them in my photo album. I have like a photo album from years past. I collected all the ones from my friends with things written on the back. didn't have Instagram back in the day so that's how we shared cute pictures of our friend selves with our friends <laughs> and then for Jose played basketball Tana I was just waiting for your thoughts on Jose well I mean it's too easy he played <laughs> basketball but then maybe he was tall at that point <laughs> <laughs> Jose talks about his ears being pierced and how he did it himself in like the fourth grade and the, another neighborhood kid tried to pierce his ears and it didn't work. Even competing, <laughs> even about piercing, Jose. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Rachel says she enjoys seeing the pictures because the ones that make the frames must mean something. And he's sharing a story. Then they have a conversation about rice and beans that I really enjoyed. So, Jose. <laughs> He's like, we ate rice and beans every day because we were poor. And she's basically like, so you felt like because you were eating rice and beans that there wasn't a lot of money? She's like trying to understand him. <laughs> and she's like, oh, in my house, I just thought we're just being really Hispanic right now. This is what my culture eats and that's okay. <laughs> I- I'm always fascinated, like about people's perceptions of their own social class. Like America is a land where everybody thinks they're middle class, even when they're rich or even when they're poor. Mm-hmm. So this whole discussion about like, this was a classism discussion disguised as something else. <laughs> You're right. And then they get offended when you point out that uh, you are not poor, <laughs> but also it's the flip side of maybe Jose feels some type of way because everyone has like a sad story. And he's like, oh, we didn't have much because we just built the house. I'm like, do you hear yourself? <laughs> do you know how many people have not built a house? But, but uh, if, if everybody else has a house that is not a struggle for them to have, you feel poor. I, I understand it. Rachel didn't, though. She's like, I've always viewed it as if you have a house and having a house is a lot. Oh, God, I love a good classism discussion. Tane, what I, me personally, I think I'm team Rachel. Like, for there was a time when I'm like, you have a house. I don't have a house, so you must be rich. Whereas I guess other people are like, my house is small. It's not as big as the next door. Our life is a competition for some. Oh, no. Of course it's team Rachel. Jose was just like, 
what it's not peacocking. He's doing whatever it is. He's always trying to fit into a story instead of just being him. He just wanted to add a little punch, you know, because we didn't have a lot. So we ate rice and beans every day. I'm just like, good on you, Rachel. That was that was so good. Because I also wasn't expecting it. She's like, it's not because you were just were Hispanic and we eat rice and beans every day. <laughs> Which it probably is. But Jose has told himself that it's because they didn't have money. I'm <laughs> Maybe not, his mom I, didn't want to cook anything else. I, I actually, as much as I'm too, I don't disagree with Jose. And I don't think he's being fake either. Perception is reality. If you feel like you're poor, you feel like you're poor. And I truly believe Jose did think, oh, we're eating rice and beans because we're poor. Yeah, that is true. I mean, the one thing I've gotten out of the season from Dr. Pepper that I've said all the time, I say all the time now, perception is not truth. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) So next we go back to Bao and Johnny. They're like standing on the road next to a patch of very green land. And she says it's where she grew up, but it's different because there's no house or anything on it. And she says that most of the people in her life don't know the depths of where she came from. And so much about her childhood brought her grief and shame and hurt. Bao basically says that Johnny doesn't deserve to hear about her childhood, but it's important for (laughs) for him to understand that she's multi-layered and the layers grew from her childhood. So Bao has pictures. So we see some, she talks about how there was fruit trees and she would just throw the fruit into the street. Cause there was so bad, many of it. Then she talked about how she set her dolls on fire. Um, <laughs> I was like, what is this story? She's like, I used to have bonfires and I would put in my dolls. And I think she made some reference to the dolls being off brand. She's like, we couldn't afford no real Barbie. Um, and then she said am she would I, set them on fire. Am I a terrible person when at some point I thought she was exaggerating? I just don't understand the, what kind of child is playing with fire without severe consequences. I, I don't I don't know. At that part, I believe, actually. <laughs> I can totally see Bao doing that. I can totally see it, especially if, you know, as she says, there was nobody around. And a lot of kids do that. Don't they always laugh about that? I mean, not in my Nigerian household. I couldn't do that. <laughs> but a lot of kids talk about how they just set dolls on fire. Like, we've seen Bao have moments where she becomes a completely different person. But, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if Johnny believed her also because he was looking at her like, well, maybe it was to the fire. The dolls in the fire. <laughs> I thought he was looking at her. Like, you set your dolls on fire? Because I feel like I would have that reaction, too. Why are you setting your dolls on fire? Yeah. Huh. So she reads her letter, and uh, it's very sad. She talks about how her dad, very heavy, like he lost his parents and a brother in the war. And he has PTSD, and no one in her family or community is equipped to manage it. She's like bawling. At first I thought Johnny was falling down on the job. He's like, you okay? I'm like, clearly not. And then he's like, sort of touching. I was like, I think you could do a little bit better than that, but I guess you don't like her. Um, She talks about how her mom is her hero and life is going to get better. I cannot tell you how little I want to hear what people want to say to their 10-year-old self. Um, <laughs> 
But um, while she's like crying and stuff, Johnny gets better at the comfort of game. Um, and Johnny says he empathizes with that and he thanks her for sharing. And then he tells us in an interview that he's viewing his parents' relationships and seeing how unhappy they are, have him thinking that it's okay to get divorced because he's walked away before um, because he expects things to end. And he says he might be expecting too much and that's not fair. It's not fair to the marriage or bow. And then he ends with, he didn't try to make it work, which made me think that this was actually filmed after decision day. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't catch that part. Bao says that she's never shared this stuff with anyone. None of her relationships that she like shared with them all this stuff. And her mom was the glue and maybe her parents would have been better off apart. But she looks at what they have now and it's wonderful. But they went through some real shit to get there. All right, all right, all right. I got to step in on here. So I know she said that, but I, I, I kudos for them if they really did. But I am skeptical. I don't understand how they went through all of that because I'm putting in all the cultural factors because sometimes a lot of immigrants, we pretty much have like the same traditional views, if you know what I mean. So, and I know like for our culture, it's kind of like a lot of people just suffer through the bad times. And then eventually as you get older, there's no more fight left in you. You're like, where am I going? I'm just going to stay. And that's how you end up with 50 years. Yeah, I mean, yes, that can be part of it. But I do think the problem is, is that people just say things like, oh, we've been through good times and we've been through bad times. I feel like if you actually sit down with people, they will give you what exactly the good times and bad times were. And I think that there's a value in the idea that some people really just have those marriages. Like, they went through their bad times. They, like, are in their good times now. I don't know. I I agree with you that sometimes people just stay together to stay together. But I do think that there are marriages out there that have lasted a long time. And it's a good thing. It's not like someone just, like, oh, I'm just going to stay. Like, they affirmatively made the decision to stay because they're in love, even after how many years? Oh, mine is not about the number of years. I do think that's possible. It's about going through, like, Merck. Like, what she said, if she said they went through a lot of shit, I remember she said her dad was an alcoholic, and he sometimes was verbally abusive, and her mom was embarrassed, and it was like... A whole bunch of that's what I mean. Like, of course, every marriage is gonna have good and bad times, but there's some dirt that's just like, how do you even move past that? And then they say it's all good, but sometimes I think the fight just leaves you. But maybe I'm just being sensitive because again, it's that trope of maths where it feels like they push the narrative of no matter how bad it is, just push through there's some good in there. Just to point out the message that you don't have to suffer to get to the good. I guess is where I'm coming from on that. Not the longevity and that it's fake, but it's just you don't always have to go through like these really traumatic, painful times because there's a good waiting at the end of it. It doesn't always work that way. I I also would... I agree with you that Max tries to push this message that they're supposed to go through like hard times, but I guess in my mind, I'm like... If it's that hard six weeks in, you really just need to cut your losses. There's no muck that you should go through in week four. Even on Married at First Sight. Yeah. (laughs) Because think about it. This is someone this time 
two months ago you did not even know existed. Well, besides John and Bao. But, you know, <laughs> they shouldn't take that much from your life. <laughs> he, I, I'm going to give him this. He genuinely thanks her for sharing this with him um, and says it gives him insight into who she is and where she comes from. I don't, yeah. what did you think of that whole thing? I'm just not really First into all, people's childhood traumas like that. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, you know, that's my jam. But, um. When he hugged her the first time, I noticed that Bao didn't hug him back. She just had her arms folded and wouldn't put her arms around him. But I, silently, I was like, yes, hold on to your principle. But yes, I agree with what Johnny said because it explains... The, the thing that stuck out to me was Johnny said, this explains why she is 100% committed to our marriage. So it is he knows. Because he said that before that she's not trying and she tries to make it like he's the only one that's trying. So he does realize that she is 100% committed. But they always say that who you are as an adult is formed by your childhood. So she's reflecting and usually reflected in your romantic relationships. So this is why we've we've been asking this past weeks, why is she putting up with this shit? This is not the bow that we know. But this is why. Because her mom put up with shit and... I guess she that it worked out, and so maybe she thinks there's hope at the end of the rainbow. So, good luck with that, Val. Um, <laughs> next we have Gail and Mirla at volleyball. Um, because Mirla, I guess, is not from the area, so they couldn't go to her childhood, whatever. Um, so they went to go play sand volleyball, and I just my mind was blown that we have watched people play sand volleyball twice this season. <laughs> Sorry, can I say something about the volleyball? Um, I it didn't click that maybe she wasn't from the area, but in when you add up her reaction to what Gil was saying to her, and then her childhood being like her volleyball in her teenage years, I know I've been on the Merla train recently, but something about hers being volleyball made me wonder: Does Merla have depth? there no not nothing not in that way i mean when you go further in her story it kind of answers my question but i'll see what you think but at that moment when she came out in her volleyball because i'm like everyone's pouring their heart out reading stories sharing traumatic things and i remember when gil asked her about her dad she eventually did but she didn't want to talk about it she doesn't want to go there and i'm like and she always laughs and keeps things surface level. I'm like, does she not want to go deep on purpose? So, yeah. So she tells us that she was athletic in high school and this volleyball is supposed to show him insight into her. They talk about how he should have worn shorts. She still fits into her jersey, but now she has muscle, she tells us. And then they play and they have fun. Gil says loser buys drinks. Um, they sit down and Marilyn says she would be who she was if it wasn't for how she grew up. Gil, for some reason, calls her an old lady with a high school jersey. And she's like, I'm not that old. Then she says that her mom encouraged her to play volleyball. They didn't have a car, so it was hard. She talks about the lessons that volleyball taught her. Being organized, responsible, being independent, working with others. It sounds like an advertisement for your local volleyball league. Your child will learn how to be a team player. <laughs> uh, she, she says her mom was not going to hold her hand. 
she talks about how her and her siblings have accomplished a lot and it, it makes her proud and it feels like all of her mom's hard work was like for something. Uh, she shows a picture of the one home she ever had. She said that they moved a lot. And the one home she ever had, once again, we've heard about this before. It was one tiny room. She says, see, I like my high, this is why I like my high rises. And Gil says it doesn't justify anything. And that makes me think, back to what you said, it's like, why would you want to go deep with someone like Gil? <laughs> I, I feel like Mirla has explained time and time again that growing yeah. up poor made her want things. And yeah. I know it's like, to him, every, this whole thing is a joke. And I don't think he understands it's not a joke. Like, th- that poverty has imprinted itself on her. And honestly, her way of, like, compensating is not that bad. Yeah, it really isn't. Remember when I gave him my ashes for his toxic positivity? Yes. That's exactly why. But, you know, it's so annoying. and and. When you when you share something with someone and they throw it back to you, almost like you're not comparing traumas, but that is her trauma. She called the house. She's like, there's a reason why she has a picture of that house. It probably meant something. You're like, I'm never going back there. I'm going to save all that money that I can and be comfortable. And the the thing you choose to say to her is like, that doesn't justify anything. Why? Like, have some empathy. And Gil ends like, Sometimes it feels like she forgets where she came from and he wants her to stay true to that. No oh. one wants to stay true to poverty. It's <laughs> break it to you. <laughs> what? It's, this is, it's like, this, this is the same thing. It's about this whole suffering, brings you lessons, da 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 da. It does not. Yeah. Don't have to suffer. But I think also after her story, and exactly what you just said, I, 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 maybe it's a different word. I don't feel like it's not that she doesn't have depth. This is just how she's chosen to deal with her quote unquote trauma. Like, I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to dwell there. I'm not going to let it rule me. I'm just going to stay in the things that make me happy and are the complete opposite of what my childhood was. And so I do I, think there's depth to Mirla, but I also think she's not going to share it just willy-nilly. And I don't think Gil has proven to be a person who is good for sharing depth with. Yeah. Yeah. I think she just doesn't see the need to be, to dwell there. Because it's something that caused her pain or something that, you know, she's sensitive about. So it's like, why would I dwell there? Anyways, that's it for them. All right. So we move on to Rachel and Jose. They have a guest at their home and their guest is Dr. Pepper and she's reading the signs that they have up on their fridge. They have like all these signs, like things that they will do better. And I, it was things like, I will listen to my wife. I will do this. I will be less controlling and whatever. I bet you ate that Jose put them up there because she was coming. They weren't <laughs> there the night before. <gasps> Dr. Pepper makes a quip at one of the signs that says, I promise to check on my wife all day and all night. And Dr. Pepper is like, ha, ha, that doesn't sound like being less controlling. (laughs) 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 And then she laughed so loud. I was like, it's not that funny, Dr. Pepper. Then she also says, oh, I don't notice anything from you, Rachel. And Rachel jokes that she hasn't done anything wrong. 
Jose in the presence of companies doing the most with the PDA, touching her leg, touching her arm. And Dr. Pepper asks what his points of vulnerability are. And Rachel says that she's learned to give him space when he's not ready to talk. Um, and Dr. Pepper says that's good. And asks Jose how has he worked on trying not to be overbearing. He babbles on and on. I don't know what he says. But Rachel once again just steps in and eloquently explains how she needed him to bring it down and gave the example of when he kept feeding her. And he was like, I was just feeding her because I want to take care of her. But she needed him to bring it down so she could meet him halfway. Dr. Papa says, well, you're doing extremely well, but I want to know if you guys have told each other secrets that are hard to tell. And you just know the producers have chosen violence. Because <laughs> why would she ask that pointed question? <laughs> Jose is like, oh, I feel like we've really laid our cards out. But then Rachel tells us in the confessional that there is something she hasn't told Jose. Dun, dun, dun. About the night that he locked her out. Oh, she said, oh, I, I need to say this fully because there's a little bit of cut and paste here. She says there's something she hasn't told Jose about the night that he locked her out. And there's that phrase, once a cheater, always a cheater. And because of her past, is he going to have trust issues? I'm like, what? What is what has that got to do with being locked out of the night and then the phrase once a cheater, always a cheater? But you know, we did not see her say that part. We saw her say the rest. So you know that they just did that to build the drama. Yeah. So Michaela has her handy cam and she says she thought they were done, but Zach called her for a closure meeting with Dr. Pepper in attendance. Thoughts, Aid. I was so disappointed in Zach. I was like, <laughs> closure for what? What do you need closure for? Uh, Zach is so obsessed with being the good guy. So she tells him that her two rules are stay civil and don't interrupt. And she asks Zach what his goal is. He said that his goal is how they got here and what lessons they can get going forward. And he tells Michaela that she can say anything she wants and it wouldn't hurt his feelings. Michaela puts on her pageant tone and says she fought for this, but her passion was misconstrued, but she tried. And she told Dr. Pepper that the text messages were ignored and she gets that people need their space. And that was her trying. And for him, there's no coming back. And she accepted that and she still accepts it. Zach says that he put in as much effort and doesn't want her to think that he didn't try and he didn't want her because that's not the case. Dr. Pepper asked them if they gave each other affirmations and they both said yes. She said, so if I'm hearing correctly, it was mostly a positive marriage and if they could remove the blowups, the marriage was po mostly positive. And Zach says yes. <laughs> okay. She says, if you really want to work on her, uh, on this big problem that Michaela had, if you really wanted to work with her on it, I think you could have, because I think that you have knowledge on what could have worked more. Did you know what she meant by this? Word salad. I have, I, I was very confused, honestly, this whole conversation. <laughs> I don't, I don't understand. I don't know how I feel about this. Okay, so my interpretation, I wasn't quite sure what she meant, but my interpretation was her kind of saying, like, if you really wanted to be with this woman, knowing that this is going to be her negative, like, you know, when you really like someone, you you want to work through things, you could have 
stuck it out and actually worked through it with her. But the fact of the matter is that you just don't want her. I was very frustrated with Dr. Pepper. Because, like, in the word salad, I was like, are you trying to convince these two to stay together? Yeah. I was like, but why? Why? (laughs) Uh, For their stats, I guess. (laughs) For, for casting for couples cast. I'm just kidding I don't know but, but um I hope my interpretation is wrong because that would be so unfair to Zach like I mean it's not his job to quote unquote fix her so it's the part where she said I think you have more knowledge and what could have been worked on more I'm like is that code language that we are not privy to so Zach actually says he understands what she means, but he just wants them in the best position possible, whether together, single, individually, or whatever. Then Zach says that he will say yes on decision day if it will make Michaela comfortable to talk to him again so they can have a conversation to see if they can work on this. Because one phrase doesn't dictate their relationship in the future. Are these two people <laughs> nuts? <laughs> what is this nonsense? What is this nonsense? I'm like, Zach, if the timeline is right, either earlier today or yesterday, you had to walk out of the room because you could not talk to her. Today, you're saying yes on decision day so that she'll keep on talking to you? Mm. Almost like he forgets. So, Dr. Pepper asked Michaela, if he said yes, would you be willing to work on it? Why would you ask that question? Michaela says, Him saying yes has to come from him wanting to be in the relationship, but not because he wants her to talk to him. I cannot believe Zach just suggested saying yes to stay married to someone so they can talk to you, so you can have a conversation, so you can see if you could possibly date. Come on, people. (laughs) So anyways, Michaela says she got her closure from their last meeting and she has nothing else to say. I am not to Michaela, but good on her for having the last word because Zach just laid it to her on a platter and she took it. Like, I'm the last one. I don't want to talk to you. So the last words, um, he said the last words I'm going to say is that his door is open and he's willing to talk to her and he would love to at some point. Oh, Zach, get your perfectionist ass out of here. This is ridiculous. Um, Michaela (laughs) is not looking at him this entire time. She's looking straight ahead. But um, Dr. Pepper asked them to put their hand out and just say that they will agree to talk to each other. Oh, why? Oh, no, no. Michaela, like, reaches out, but she barely has her fingertips touching his. But again, this is the downside of mouths, forcing things that shouldn't be. It was so uncomfortable to watch. And then Zach was like doubling down. Like, oh, she's not going to look at me. If she looks at me, she's going to laugh. Blah, 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 blah. And then you you can see Michaela breaking down. And she's like, Dr. Pepper, this is why. This is why. I'm like, wow. So Dr. Pepper makes them promise to have one discussion before D-Day. And Zach asks her when she wants to do it. Like right now. Let's go do it now. Let's go go somewhere right now. Let's go together. and blah. And they do enter the elevator together. Can you imagine what the discussion is like? You know, there's a preview. I'm jumping ahead, but there's a preview next week when 
she's telling her sister, oh, I'm just going to go. Um, like, Jack asked her to spend the night. And the sister's like, well, did you? And she's like, yep. That is what I think is keeping them together. If you remember the first time after they had sex, Zach was like, oh, if he continues, like, this is going to be good. I think the sex is good. And I think that... <laughs> no, and I think that's what's keeping them together. They can't resist that. Oh, okay. That means they'll be doing like, this for a while. After decision day, they'll still be <laughs> talking things out. <laughs> so, anyways, Dr. Pepper goes to see Gail and Merla. And they are matching, I don't know if you noticed, um, with gray. I and, did not notice. Yeah, she, they were both wearing this. She was wearing a gray dress and he had a gray top. So Dr. Pepper dr- dives straight in with the negative Nancy thing and how can Merla be more optimistic? And Dr. Pepper asked Merla if she can stifle herself. <laughs> <laughs> and be less negative. It sounds awful. I mean, I know what she meant, but I was like, Dr. Pepper, you can just use another word. Um, she asked Gail, you know, what she she would like her to work on, and he says her mood. But they're both laughing and they're touching each other as they speak. And Marla says, even when they have disagreements, they're respectful and don't put put each other down. And Gail starts to say, like, I mean, people that love each other. And he's like, oh, sorry. He corrects himself and says, people that would eventually love each other shouldn't talk to each other that way. Um, Dr. Pepper is like, I'm hearing the L word just blowing around, being said everywhere. And she asks if they've said it to each other. And Merla kept saying no, because he doesn't want to admit that he loves his wife. Um, they say none, neither of them have said it. But he said that Merla has said that she has made the choice to love him. Gil says he hasn't said it because in the past he has said it prematurely when he didn't love the person and he doesn't want to make that mistake again. Dr. Pepper commends him and then she asks about how much they have to save for money and kids. They say they didn't put a number but a percentage and Gil says that she, that Merla just wants enough to be able to afford a nanny. I think it was uh, good on them for actually having the conversation at least. Gil says that yeah, he's down with that, but he's not going to enable certain things. I don't know who Gil thinks he is. I'm not going to allow this. I'm not going to let her forget where she cares. I'm not going to. You're you're doing a lot of. I'm not gonna. So, and we are right back to the shopping thing. I thought we had left that behind, but he says that her shopping habits are not conducive to a marriage. And he gives this dumb example of if they could save faster, like say, and because Merla is making the point that she saves a lot of money and that she saves really well. And these are the leftovers that she can afford to do what she wants. So he says like, but yeah, say you could save 3000 at a certain point and you could, you could possibly save 6,000 if you gave up your shopping. And once again, she makes more. She saves more. What is the problem? I, I, I still there, don't know what the Gil problem is. Gil is the problem. Gil is the problem. <laughs> I was like, Gil, I have liked you now for multiple episodes, but we are right back where we started, where I cannot hear it anymore. You are poor. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I were, if I was being petty, I'd be like, okay, let's do this. How about we wait for you to save as much as I am? And then when we're even, then we can talk again. That, that's a compromise to me. So. Uh, I'm not even sure if Gil is poor, but I cannot listen to this anymore. 
<laughs> you have no money. Why are you bitching to this woman about her spending? <laughs> and this is going to come up on unfiltered, by the way. But, like, I I can't hear it anymore. And honestly, I do. If Marilyn says no on decision day, I feel like this will be why. Who wants to live a life where you make more money than your husband and all you ever get to hear about is how you shouldn't spend money on the things that make you happy because he thinks you should be saving for something when he doesn't have anything to contribute to this group project. Yep. And if you heard, they, they want to actually put 20% down payment, which is not cheap. I just... I- how can you have the audacity to be like, we want to put down a 20% down payment on a house. You have way more than I have, but I'm going to sit here and say, what makes you happy is not conducive to a marriage. I feel like for Marla, that should be like, that we can't be married. Mm-hmm. Apparently my happiness bothers you unless it comes in the right form. And the right form is not me shopping and buying nice things. I know. She actually literally said, and, and take away my joy. No. <laughs> Well, Marla says she's willing to budge on some things, but she's not changing her lifestyle. And as they're going back and forth on it, we just see Dr. Pepper take a sip of her huge glass of water like she was sipping some tea and all she needed was some popcorn. Front row seats to this argument. And that was it for for Gil and Marla. I was about to say Mill and Marla. But yeah. So now we're going to go take a break. And we're back with Brett and Ryan. Who I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Completely forgot that they were on the show. (laughs) And they were actually pretty good this week. Um, The little thing pops up and says we're seven days away from D-Day. So we're really getting into the home stretch. They're in like an ATV, I think that is. And he says, sure, you don't want to drive? And Ryan says that he's country and that Brett has picked up on that more and more and on the fact that he's country, not that she's become country. So it looks like they're on top of a large hill with the ATV. And I'm like, oh, my Lord. And she actually says, oh, my boobs. Um, (laughs) And Brett says there's something about Ryan in his element. He's a lot more enjoyable. He's alive. You know, this is not dead Ryan that we're seeing. They do the hill, and it's like, when you see the whole hill, you're like, really? You were freaking out about that? I mean, Ryan tried to warn us. Did you notice that Ryan's shirt looked like the shirt that Zach was wearing at the beginning of the episode? A very strange black and white pattern. But one was long sleeve and one was short sleeve. No, I didn't. (laughs) um, I, I I remember the pattern. The pattern is like that little... That I don't know if you know you've seen those TikTok videos where um they're like glow in the dark things when you no. turn off the light. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, but no, I didn't notice. So in his shirt that is matching with Zach, he's standing there with Brett, and they are fishing. And he talks about how fishing was something he did with his dad, and that his dad was always working or at his brother's house working on a race car, and it caused a lot of drama fighting about the car. And she said that her parents always seemed to get along so well. There might have been more like going on behind the scenes, but she didn't see it. And Ryan says that when he was young, he didn't care about marriage because he didn't know what a good, healthy marriage was. She says that marriage requires a lot from both people. She says the thing that's going to be the most enjoyable is when people let you in. And what he told her about his parents' marriage 
is important and it makes you who you are. And any information that he gives her makes her feel comfortable that things will continue to grow. I don't know what nonsense she's talking. Um, she reads her letter. I'm sorry, I don't care. She did say, don't let boys make you sad. And she mentions, you're going to want a puppy and you're going to have the best dog. So we get a little Baxter reference. Ryan reads his letter. It's sad. He talks about his best friend who died a couple years ago. Um, Brett says that the letter makes her feel closer to Ryan. Um, Ryan said that it was weird to write it, but it made him feel good at the end. He doesn't know where the marriage stands. That's a lie. The marriage is over. But he feels better. I think it's a strange thing when these people say, oh, seeing the sight of them makes me feel better. Because again, unless you're a psychopath, we all have that side. But it doesn't mean it suddenly makes you a better person at relationships. It just means like this thing happened to you, but it doesn't, I don't know why you feel better. It's not going to change their behavior towards you. It so won't. I always find it odd. It won't, you're right. It won't change their behavior to you, towards you. I just think it's like you, at the end of the day, you're married. Even if you know in your heart you're going to be divorced. I think there's like a comfort in knowing that you actually got to know the real version of this person. Yeah. Like I think even when people, and and hope you know, this could only happen if you're not at the bitterness stage. <laughs> Some people get to it earlier than others, but I think it just means like, oh, I'm enjoying getting to know you, even though I know there's nothing happening here. I don't think people believe there's hope when they say that. Like, I don't think Brett thinks they're going to stay together just because he told her about his parents' crappy marriage. I mean, I don't think she does, but she said it makes her feel better, and I'm like, why? It's just a gripe. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> better people than me, it helps. <laughs> <sighs> so... Next, we're on to Bao and Johnny with sitting down with Dr. Pepper. She said, she, Dr. Pepper sits down and she says, you know, even though it has not been that long, you know, everything is so packed with experiences and changes. What's going on since the last time I saw you? So Bao says that they agreed they'd work on level one. <laughs> Dr. Pepper, with disdain, is like, what's level one? <laughs> <laughs> That's a cow didn't tell her. <laughs> Bao says nothing that can escalate. And Dr. Pepper says, do you think you've learned everything that you could learn about each other? And Johnny is ready. He's eager. He's like, I want to talk. I want to talk. Um, he's like, I can answer that. He's learned everything he wants to learn. And he says it with such negativity that we know it's not good. <laughs> and he's like, he's so excited to tell us all. I talked to Bao's best friend, Sarah. And he said, I told her it wasn't going well. And Sarah's like, oh, that makes, totally makes sense. And in the interview, Johnny says, Sarah told me that she would never date Bao. I was like, well, is Sarah straight? Because that would influence that, how we perceive that statement. Um, and that she would never, <laughs> she would never allow any of her friends to date Bao because she's a controlling person who tries to break you down. Johnny is just joyful, joyful. He's like, Bao gets you to a point where you have no choice but to lean on her so that she can turn you into what she wants. I don't think Johnny is aware of how crazy he sounds right now. <laughs> this sounds like the person doesn't have a mind of their own. It's like, <laughs> Bao just puts a spell on you and all of a sudden you don't know what's going on. It's wild. 
I don't doubt that there are like some psychopaths who meet people and have like a 10 point plan on -hmm. how they're going to break them. I don't know if we know everything about Bao, but I actively doubt that 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 is her. Like, it just, it sounded nuts. Um, I mean, when you go further, I don't even necessarily think that Bao denied it. She said I may have made some mistakes, so it is possible. But the whole circumstance about everything was what was more awful to me. Dr. Pepper is just sitting there with a look on her face like, what is, what the, WTF? Bao, you're right, Bao pipes in like, I have made mistakes. And in an interview, she says she feels betrayed on both sides, that she doesn't have that many solid female friends, and Sarah is one that she could count on. And Bao says she's tried to be accountable for what she's doing wrong. Um, <laughs> Dr. Pepper says, well, your friends saw you in different relationships. Um, he ha- she asked Johnny, what did this friend give you that you felt validated by? Because she deserves to counter all that. Mm-hmm. Why did you need to find someone to ratify your feelings? And why do you believe Sarah is an ultimate authority? We never actually hear Johnny answer those questions. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Pepper says, I know you don't want to do emotional work. I was like, dang. <laughs> Dr. Pepper says it might be healing to take in each other's perceptions and feelings. And Bao agrees. I just, first off, people, you have to be very careful who you start giving best friend titles to. This, I don't know what she said, and Johnny is an unreliable narrator, but that one is not no best friend. Yeah, none. Like, at the point where he tells you it's not going good, I don't care who's wrong. Your loyalty is to your best friend. Just stop talking. That, uh, Bao, unfortunately, Bao learned the hard way. That is not your best friend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Johnny is so so odd. The same thing as Zach. If you don't want to be with this person, you can decide on your own. Trust yourself that you don't want to be with this person. Why are you chasing somebody down to tell you how awful Bao is so that you could decide not to be with Bao? At the last minute, too, they have seven days. Like, your out is coming soon. So next we're on to Rachel and Jose. She says last night she brought up a touchy subject, but they need to address the elephant in the room. I would like to make a note here. I do not trust their timeline of when this thing was revealed. Okay. I think they did some Franken-splicing to, like, put that thing at the end of their last segment as if something Dr. Pepper said prompted Rachel to, like, make this confession. I think this probably happened a while back in the timeline. Hmm. That's it. I mean, the only thing I can think of is... The timing of when Dr. Pepper came in. Okay, I see what you're saying. They just made her ask that question. Yeah, I don't... And then they'll splice it in. I just find it very convenient that this argument is like the... This, not argument, but this revelation is like the week before, like, decision day to, like, introduce some drama. I think they resolved this probably long ago. Okay. I think that's fair because the reaction was unexpected. (laughs) she did a selfie cam and she said they've been up since 4 a.m and she told him that when he locked her out she reached out to an ex-boyfriend and he was one who picked her up and she spent the night at the ex-boyfriends which is interesting because i could have sworn someone else had told us that she spent the night at brett's house so i don't know Uh, that's interesting i (laughs) Rachel is not innocent by any means. Like, I don't understand, like, of all the people you call, like, no family, no friends, you called your ex-boyfriend. 
I I don't get that either at all. So if 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 Jose had flipped, it would be very understandable. Um Rachel is like, well, I knew I had to tell you, and she was wanted to make sure she wasn't telling him to make him jealous or make him mad. Um, she says that Jose talks about finances being the cause of divorce, but for her, what she's seen the most is being unfaithful, which is funny because Jose tells us the same, like, it's being unfaithful. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like Jose's told us twice, my dad cheated on my mom is a huge thing for me. Like, okay. But he's telling Rachel it's about money. I don't know. Um, Rachel says she wants to make sure he never feels like she's being unfaithful. And he starts doing a, now that you're married. And Jose says there are things about Rachel's past that make him nervous or whatever. And Jose says his guard will be up, but he's taking it at face value and trusting her. So, yeah, Rachel spent the night at her ex-boyfriend's, but everything's fine. (laughs) I mean, I can't praise him anymore because now that you've mentioned that there was something fishy about the timeline I was gonna be very impressed by the way he reacted which was not a blow up I I, I like you I'm shocked that there wasn't a blow up because he would have you're right he would have had the right to blow up it's like they tried to make something here but then it wasn't a big deal for some reason even though it's in my mind I'm like that seems like a really big deal like you said you could have called a lot of people but you called your ex-boyfriend <laughs> It's summer, Rachel. (laughs) So then we go back to Bao and Johnny. And they're sitting there at the bar. Dr. Pepper's gone. She says it would benefit them to talk about some things. And Johnny says their session with Dr. Pepper was good. And she says, okay. Johnny lies and says that he hates dragging Sarah into this. He feels like she had good intentions. She felt he, he was distressed and wanted to validate someone to understand what he was going through. Bao says that she hasn't talked to Sarah about this stuff because she's not the person who says there are positives. She's the person who's like, let's move on. And that's why she didn't tell her because Bao is married and she wants to commit and that's not what Sarah wants. Bao is upset that he talked to Sarah and says that it wasn't a good idea for them to talk and she's betrayed and disappointed. Um, and she says that she's also disappointed from a best friend, best friend perspective because she wouldn't have done that to her. So she asked Johnny, what did you and Sarah talk about? And she asked if I'd taken time to understand you and could I wake up and go to sleep with this for the rest of my life? And Johnny says, no, when a relationship has gone to that point, we just need to walk away. He doesn't want to do any more harm than he's already had. And the things that he would say would be very damaging. No one wants to hear about the things you could say. Either say them or don't mention them. Oh, man. That's how you know. Johnny just wants to hurt. He doesn't have anything to say. He just wants to pretend like, oh, it would be very damaging and so hurtful. Like, I got something over you that's so Did she bad. kill someone? Did she set someone's house on fire? What are you talking about? She was mean to an ex-boyfriend? That's crazy. I'm very curious as to... I, I First off, I think Johnny did not like, oh, I was feeling sad and she just happened to be the person who I talked to about buying a car. Because that's what he said the conversation started. You Mm -hmm. called her to dig for something to help you in your quest to justify why you don't want to be with Bao and how it's Bao's fault that you don't want to be with Bao. Yeah. And I I think Dr. Pepper brought up a good point. That, yeah, even though you've done something in the past, but that's not what has been shown to you. And it's something to be said for you quickly believing 
with this person that you've known less in less time than your wife and well, you suddenly believe what they have and um filter johnny will tell us exactly how long he's known sarah oh my god is he this is the same thing we're in the same college yes. group <laughs> yes oh. but at the end of the day like it was funny because in unfiltered Johnny tried to say it like it justified something, but it didn't make any sense. At the end of the day, she's still more Bao's friend than Johnny's friend. Yeah. Although she's no one's friend now, I suppose. Um, <laughs> someone on Reddit said, and I'm sorry, I'm not giving credit to the original source, that Johnny goes into their therapy sessions as if it's court and he needs to provide evidence <laughs> so that he mm-hmm. can get the right um, conviction. Exhibit A, my lord. I would like to call the witness Sarah to the stand. <laughs> and I'm in a state of confusion every episode because I'm like, is someone holding a gun to your head saying you have to be with Bao? If you don't want to be with Bao, trust, be like Zach. Or don't be like Zach, but trust yourself. You don't have to be. But why do you have to act like she's the devil incarnate before you decide you don't want to be married to her? Yeah. Just own it. <sighs> So they're still sitting there at the bar and Bao says, I'm still here if you want to have talks. I'm open to them. And she is putting the ball in his court. And he says, do you feel like it's always the blame Johnny game? Like, and she says that she has to walk on eggshells. And then he says he doesn't have an appetite for this. I assume he meant the conversation and the food. So she says she's (laughs) going to eat his food and drink his wine. And he says, you can have it. And he leaves the apartment. And then she says, back to yoga pants, I guess. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm so happy for them that it's just seven days left. Just be free. <laughs> just be free. My goodness. I feel like this fool is going to show up to the reunion with his exhibits. New friends he talked to. New whatevers. Mm-hmm. He's going to come with a binder. <laughs> but let this be a warning to all of you. Don't just be giving out that best friend title to anybody. I can tell you right now, anybody who I call a best friend would never do that nonsense. At all. And, I mean, Bowden mentioned that she has a hard time making female friends. hmm I was like, well, that's too bad. <sighs> All right. We end with Brett and Ryan. They're at her apartment. She's holding a giant Ziploc. They sit down. He talks about her home decor. She says she had a good time, and she was really excited to show him these. But she's not really feeling about talking about her childhood and going through pictures because her friend texted her 10 minutes ago um, and told her that it showed that you're on a dating app and you match with someone that I know. <laughs> just, Ryan just sits there with his dead eyes and he's like, I, I mean, I downloaded it today, but it's not active right now. I can show you that it's not active right now. She's like, well, you match with someone today. She says, one week left, man. Couldn't have waited. One week to jump back in there. He's like, it wasn't a jumping back in there thing. He's like, I can show you that I didn't talk to anybody. I think he was missing the entire point. (laughs) He really was. The point is that you downloaded an app while you're still married. Whether or not you're still married. And like, why couldn't you wait one week? And she said that. She's like, you only had seven days, buddy. (laughs) I like how he's man, he's buddy. I'm surprised she didn't drop a dude in there. And then she says, honesty is not his strong suit. And he says, I don't think that's right. And she says, it doesn't line up with the things that you say about yourself. And respect, and respect is a big deal. 
he apologizes that it came up that way. He's like, I'm not even active. She says, that won't help. You obviously downloaded it for a reason. And he's just like, okay, I'm going to leave. So we see him going outside and he shows it to a producer, like his phone. And the producer's like, you should text it to her. Uh, She tells us in an interview, the difference between Ryan and I is that I've been in a relationship. And so I guess she knows how to act and he doesn't. So he sent her a screenshot with a text message. And Brett is like, it does not matter. It doesn't matter at all. And the last thing I noticed is that the lamp in Brett's house, I was like, I have that lamp. Um, (laughs) But I just, it was just so silly. Like, really, wait seven days. These men are of a different breed, so. I get that, like, they tried an experiment and the experiment didn't work for them. But it really says a lot about, like, your addiction to swiping that you could not wait seven days. And, like, the fact that he's, like, in Unfiltered, we'll find out exactly when he downloaded the app. Um, yeah, you just, it was it was silly. I, I was glad that she was, like, I'm not going to do this picture thing. Like, eventually you just reach the end of your rope. Like, why am I wasting my time? Yeah. It's, it, it's yeah, it's very interesting. It's something to be said. Like I said, whenever you come out of any relationship, good or bad or anything, I think it's always good to have that time to just reflect and okay what do I learn what do I want but when you're jumping from relation like you're literally married actually it's not even like a regular relationship yeah it's married at first sight but you're still legally married and you can't wait seven days to get on the apps that's an addiction I'm sorry I and I think I think Johnny also has the same thing like Johnny and Ryan are both really I think into chasing (laughs) This perfect woman on these dating apps, and I don't think they will ever find her. She doesn't exist. And that isn't to say that I think that who they were matched with was like their perfect match. But it just says something that you're like, oh, I gotta go to the app and start. You were doing the exact same thing six weeks ago or eight yeah. weeks ago. Like, did it ever occur to you to think and sit and reflect? Like, this time, what am I really looking for? Mm-hmm. <sighs> so that's it for the episode. All right, Aid. So who has your bouquet for the week? My bouquet goes to Marilla <laughs> by default. Uh, no one really earned a bouquet this week. Um, but Marilla gets it just for sticking her ground. I don't ever want to hear, well, I'm going to stop buying luxury goods to make Gil happy. So she doesn't say that. She says, I, this is my life. This is my joy. You're going to have to live with it. I'm disappointed for her that she has to keep on repeating herself. <laughs> <laughs> who has your bouquet for the week? Um, I'm not so confident in who I chose because you made me see a different angle, but I had Jose and Rachel as for my bouquet. And it was mostly because of how they handled her spending the night at her ex. I'm just like, wow, Jose has grown. Like he really handled that like a champ. But now (laughs) you've given me new eyes and I don't know if they deserve it. So who has your burnt ashes? Um, Zach for coming back. Michaela for um, not understanding reality. Brett for, uh, not Brett, sorry. Ryan for downloading the app. Gil for not being able to shut up about Mirla and her lifestyle. Did I miss anybody? (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Pepper? (laughs) She was all right. Oh, I'm sorry. Johnny for this nonsense about calling Sarah. They were a bit of a valid week. <laughs> Who had yours? Oh, Sarah. 
No, that's a good one. Sarah Nash. Like that's just that's just terrible. You don't do that to a friend. You don't do that to an enemy. You just just shut up. Why are you even involved? Just shut up. Do you believe that what Johnny said Sarah said is exactly what Sarah said? Absolutely not. Okay. But whatever Sarah said was too much. Okay. I don't care how mild it was. You don't give the enemy ammunition in any shape or form. He starts talking about it. He says, oh, got to go. The car I want just drove by. Bye. <laughs> go. <laughs> oh, so, um, yeah, that's it for this week, you guys. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at AlterCallMAFS. A-L-T-A-R-C-A-L-L-M-A-F-S. Love to hear from you guys on the socials. Yes, guys. And in case you missed it last week, if you have any questions about the episode, the season, past seasons, send us your questions. We'll be happy to answer it. And maybe we could turn into like a little segment at the top of the episode. But we're available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for your support, for listening to our show. Don't forget to subscribe anywhere you listen so you don't miss any episodes. And please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate you. And see you next time. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.